Welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and I have some kind of a, I don't know, cold, some kind of a deep chest cold going on, so my voice is going to be a little off today, but I feel like I can talk. It's kind of, I feel like I'm getting better, not on the way down, but on the way up from the cold, so I thought I would risk it, and besides, I got a lot of stuff on my mind. <clears throat> uh, got a little message from uh, my good friend David Mills, who's down in Kanagawa doing uh, cafe ministries, and uh, he posed a question, which I thought was very interesting, um, and he, he suggested maybe it's something that I could uh, talk about on driving theology, and I told David I'd rather do it with him, uh, but being that he's so far away and we get together so uh, seldomly... <clears throat> I think I'll go ahead and start it and maybe get him to uh, record a uh, record some I don't know uh, reflections on what I said or or something uh, to that extent um, but before I get into that <clears throat> I want to talk about some other things uh, that are going on uh, with me this week have been going on uh, I've been listening to Jordan Peterson podcasts. If you don't know Jordan Peterson, he is the, uh, well, he's labeled by the left leftists as conservative. Uh, I, I would consider him probably somewhat moderate, but he might lean a bit to the right. I guess it's possible. Um, the uh, psychologist, Canadian psychologist, who in the last uh, year and a half or two years has been in the news for refusing to uh, to live by the uh, rules imposed on the Canadian government. There's a law passed that uh, forces them to use gender-neutral pronouns <coughs> for people who, who uh, are not traditionally male or female, I guess. Um, anyway, and he's, he is... Uh, Kind of rebelled against that and refuses to do it, not not to do it at all, but to be forced to do it by law. Um, and and he has very uh, specific philosophical political reasons for not following such a law, because in his, his views, a law like this leads to um, eventually a, a communist totalitarian state. <clears throat> something that he's very much against. Um, obviously, you know, brings up Stalin and Lenin and socialism and all of these kinds of things. Uh, but that's not all he talks about. He, he comes at uh, the Bible from a uh, sociological uh, vantage point and is going through the Bible, starting with Genesis. I'm not sure how far he got, but uh, anyway, the plan is to start with Genesis and to go through um, uh, the entire, I guess, at least Old Testament. Uh, look, viewing at it from the from the uh, sociology that we see, or the uh, sociology, or psychology, sorry, uh, from a psychological standpoint from a psychological standpoint of what's going on 
uh, in Scripture and how whether you believe in the historical truth of the Old Testament or not, uh, he finds uh, psychological truth there, which is kind of an interesting thing. Anyway, I've been listening to a lot of him, uh, a lot of his podcasts the last couple weeks, uh, which was, uh, he, he was introduced to me by my friend Daniel Asperheim, who is a good friend and apologist who lives here in Japan, pretty close to me, writer as well. Uh, so yeah, um, been listening to a lot of his stuff, so I'm not sure how much of what he has said is going to come out, just because I've kind of immersed myself in a lot of his uh, thinking and speeches and, and talks in the last couple weeks. Um, and then <clears throat> another thing that came up, which I'm really hoping to to uh, get into more in-depth in my own personal study is are the four levels of traditional rabbinic hermeneutics or hermeneutical readings that that traditionally uh, Jews, Jews uh, well the, the people of Israel used or the rabbis of Israel let's say used to interpret the text and it goes from a surface reading is level one a to a mystical reading, which is level four, and there are two two levels in between those two. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, that's something that's quite interesting to me, uh, the, the way that the Hebrew language is constructed. Um, because, you know, I've been, I've been struggling to make sense of how the Old Testament can be uh, both inerrant or both errant and God breathed because I, I I guess I have to believe it's God breathed right if I believe Paul Paul believed all scripture was God breathed Paul comes from the Pharisaical tradition uh, which are basically the rabbis I'm, I'm referring to who read the, the Torah in four different layers and apparently Jesus was also from the Pharisaical tradition. Apparently there's some evidence for that in the New Testament. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, anyway, uh, I'm not ready to get into that. I'm, I'm really tempted, man. I'm really tempted just to run with it. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to do that today. Um, yeah, we'll... have to see um, yeah when that comes back it's it's something that was just brought up to me on Facebook Facebook yesterday and it's kind of blown my mind it's pretty amazing stuff on the hermeneutical traditions of the uh, rabbis from the time of Jesus and before uh, <clears throat> But back to my friend uh, David's question. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna record this, and I'm gonna ask David to either send me some questions, if you would, David, uh, about what I said, maybe some challenges or uh, alternate uh, alternate ways of looking at things, and then I'll try to follow that up uh, as soon as I get those questions. Um, so David's question was. Uh, 
Now we believe that God is love because of what John said, right? Uh, those who uh, love are born of God and know God because God is love. This is what John says. <coughs> and I'm so sorry, but I have to clear my throat, but it's kind of rough in the morning. Maybe we can drink some coffee and clear that out a little bit. So I don't know any Christians that would disagree with the premise that God is love. Not any Christians that, that read the Bible. Um, but of course, if you were to read the Old Testament, and if you were to read the Old Testament from the premise that God is love, and yet see all, all of the things that are attributed to God in the Old Testament, you, would, you might have to kind of wrinkle your brow. Uh, but I don't believe there are any other passages that says God is something uh, as it says God is love, right? In, in the same kind of sense that, that John says God's essence is love. I don't think we ever see that God is justice or or God is now we do have things like God is jealous but we don't have anything that would say God is jealousy itself <coughs> right uh, God is just but I've never heard it said God is justice itself uh, but John makes this statement that God is love okay now Without having to go through all of the various ways that we uh, English speakers are confused about what love is, uh, let me just give a, a definition of this type of love that I think uh, befits what John's trying to get at. Uh, of course, the Greek word is agape. God is love, right? Um, uh, which basically means God takes others' needs above his own, right? God, God takes others' uh, needs as more important than his own. In other words, God follows the golden rule, uh, love your neighbor as yourself or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He, he, he is the quintessential sacrificial lover in the universe. And we know this because Jesus laid down his life, right? Jesus, Jesus, who is God incarnate, uh, died for mankind, okay? And so in this instance, we see that indeed God is love, right? This, this makes sense to us. Everything that God does is for our benefit. <coughs> he does nothing out of selfishness. Um, but whatever he does is for us. Uh, and he, he, he diligently works out all of the evil in the world to, to turn into good for our benefit, right? This is what it means, um, Paul says. Um, sorry, I got a big scary truck bearing down on me here. this statement that God is 
love, right? That the essence of God is love, I think is another way to, to, see, to say that. So David's question is this. If God is love, does that mean love is God? It's <laughs> a good question. It's a really good question. Uh, is love God? <clears throat> now I think be those of us who have spent time in the scriptures and spent time in prayer and meditation uh, and communion with, with Jesus, I think we, we believe this in, in a very deep way that God is love. And so we know what love looks like because of Jesus, right? Uh, love, love is that which is done for another's benefit, which takes no account of your own self-preservation. <clears throat> now with humans, I'm not sure we can ever perfectly accomplish this. There's so many motives and, and even if we did accomplish it, I'm, I'm not sure we'd know it because we're so insecure and unsure of our own motivations that even if we were to achieve a perfect moment of agape. Uh, I'm not sure we would recognize it as such, just because of how corrupt we've become and cynical, uh, um, as cynical as we are uh, in the world and, and having dealt with all of this sin and corruption for our entire lives. And possibly, as I've talked about in a previous podcast, this, this corruption is even in our DNA. Right? It's even in the physical makeup of not just our bodies, but the entire uh, earth and universe. Um, so because of that corruption that physically might live within us, I'm not sure we would ever s believe that we were capable of agape. We, we would probably second guess ourselves uh, constantly, and w which is okay. I think it's good for us to be self-critical. Uh, in fact, we need more of that in the world. <clears throat> need to be less critical of others and much more critical of our own selves, I think. Um, by and large, you know, there are those who are too critical of themselves. And I'm not talking about you. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, God is love, yes. Is love God? So first of all, I guess we would have to be able to identify agape when it happens um, and if we could see it for what it is if we had a moment of uh, you know Holy Spirit clarity uh, which I think is possible I don't think it's possible for us to, to see love on our on our own accord but rather with the help of the Holy Spirit sharpening our vision and our senses um, I think we would realize that when love, when true love, when true agape uh, manifests itself in the world, uh, that God Himself is present in that love. I, I think that's. I think I, I could go that far that He inhabits uh, truly love-filled moments. Um, and I'll also say this: uh, with, without us being made in the image of God, without us being made, 
without mankind being made in the image of God, um, <clears throat> wow, I just lost track of my, where I was going with that, um, what was I talking about, so, uh, yeah, this happens when you drive sometimes, things distract you, and rightly so, rightly so, you should keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> Um, so, okay, when love manifests itself in the world, we need uh, spiritual help to see it. Um, and I, I believe God does, yeah, God inhabits uh, truly loving moments because we're made in His image, right? Now, even though we're made in His image, in other words, we're made in the image of love. Uh, I think sin and corruption has done a lot to muddy the waters, so to speak, to to um, make what should be plainly seeable difficult to discern. Uh, I, I think sin and corruption has done that a lot to us, and so we do need we we do need I think some kind of miraculous spiritual eyes to truly see love in the world. But yeah, I think anytime humans truly show sacrificial love or agape I think I think God inhabits that moment and I don't think they could have ever done that without being made in the image of God I don't think I don't think truly agape moments happen uh, unless that kernel of divinity that's still left within you uh, bubbles to the surface and, and maybe it's a random thing you know maybe you know 999 times out of a thousand you would have made the selfish decision but one time you you decided to to make the sacrificial uh, decision decision that helped someone else and and not yourself in any way <clears throat> I think it's possible um, but to say love is God, you know, I think I, I think I can say that. I think I can go there. Uh, I, I think I think saying that love is God uh, is I think it's kind of a no-brainer. And again, we have to be talking about true self-sacrificial. Other empowering, uh, other loving agape, right? Um, it's not going to get confused with, uh, you know, other types of love, like, you know, I love chocolate or, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think, I think I can, I can accept the premise that love is God. Now the question is, can we take that to a degree where it proves itself to be false? Can we conceive of a situation where obviously that cannot be true? Um, <clears throat> there are obviously evil people in the world, extremely evil. There are also mentally ill people in the world who 
evil, but possibly not because of something they have done, but because of uh, the, the DNA that they were dealt. That's a possibility as well. Uh, now, I, I have to believe that love can overcome um, both the person that who is, that has been so corrupted by the world that that he does uh, heinous evil acts, and and the one who uh, does evil heinous act heinous he, heinous evil. I think I said a bad word there. Uh, heinous evil acts uh, because of. Uh, some chemical imbalance uh, in his psychological uh, makeup. Uh, I think I, I have to believe that, that God's love is so powerful and transformative that that he can speak into both of those situations and make something good of them. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm definitely not one that, that denies that evil exists evil is, is, uh, is a thing in the world. Um, I do deny that God created evil. Uh, I, think, I think God created potential. Uh, another word for chaos that I've learned from Jordan Peterson is potential, right? Uh, when, you, when you are dealing with the unknown and possibilities and dreams, um, even ambition, you're dealing in the realm of chaos, in the realm of the unknown. Uh, but from the realm of the unknown is where we make progress. That's where progress happens. Uh, that's where, where we go forward. That's where uh, the potential exists for greater things, is in the realm of chaos, not in the realm of order. The realm of order is what we know, what we can expect and anticipate. Um, <clears throat> realm of order is things as it is. The realm of chaos. Chaos is things as they can be. And that can be good or bad, right? So, uh, of course, uh, chaos, uh, in chaos, there is the potential for good or bad. Um, <clears throat> well, I got on a tangent and I forgot where I was going. Man, I'm having a hard time with this this morning. Part of it's me worrying about how I'm sounding every time I clear my throat on the so I apologize for that. I wish I didn't have to do that. Um, so, God is love, yes. Love, true love, agape love, is God. I have to say yes. Because I don't think we would, we would do love except that we're made in the image of God. Now, uh, here's, the, here's, the, uh, here's where the rubber meets the road, however. If the love that you happen to show because you're made in the image of God, but you give God no glory uh, for that love, nor does that love come from a relationship, a growing relationship with Jesus or a desire to know Jesus. Uh, I think it's still a good thing, but I don't think it, it leads to two things. Uh, well, let's just say one thing. Uh, I don't think it, that love necessarily, without Jesus uh, involved, is going to lead to um, relationship with Jesus in a way 
that brings any kind of transformation to your context where you live. Uh, unless, unless you somehow are one of the few who without knowing God or Jesus, you, you, you feel him within you, you know he exists, you just don't know what to call him because you have not been introduced to him. But you trust somehow that sacrificial love um, impulse that you have happened upon you, and you trust it and you lean into it and you grow into it yeah I think I think in that instance I, th I think you can really begin to impact the world around you and I think eventually uh, your your trust in that you know against all reason against your evolutionary instincts and, and instincts of self-survival and preservation. Uh, if you lean into those feelings and and somehow uh, live there as much as you can, I think eventually, uh, I think Jesus will find you. You know, and you will find Jesus more more to the point. I think He's already found you. You just don't know His name yet. Um, so I think, yeah, I, 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 man, I wish there were more people like that. I, I can't imagine. And you know, I've known Jesus since I could talk, um, or at least about Jesus since I could talk. I've, I've I would say I've known about uh, Jesus and God since before I've known anything else. I don't have any memories, I don't think, that are earlier probably than being told the, the stories of, 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 uh, that are found in the Bible. So I wouldn't even know how to go about living as a person who's never been exposed uh, to Jesus and, and then happening upon the concept of agape and then having the, having the wherewithal to lean into that and make that the governing principle of your life all without knowing Jesus. I, I don't know what that would look like. I really don't. I'm sure it exists out there, though. Uh, and I and I think you know, to some extent, if if we were all created by the same God, then in some way, shape, or form, all religion stems from the worship of the true God. Stems from, mind you, doesn't mean it's true worship, but it stems from. And probably, I would say all religion, and I'm talking all religion, has been corrupted by sin uh, and death in the world, uh, and no longer represents faithfully the true character of God. And I say that about all religion. But I think you may find a kernel of truth in all religion that can lead you to Jesus. And I think the purpose of religion in the world is to lead you to Jesus. And then you have no further use for religion. Now I know that that is a perhaps quite a narrow view of religion. Uh, I think a lot of Christians will brussel at that uh, statement and say actually Christianity is the true religion. Uh, therefore, uh, all those who follow Christianity are saved and those who don't uh, are condemned. 
Um, uh, I respect your right to believe that and uh, readily admit that I once believed that not that long ago. Uh, but now I believe that there's so much more happening in the world that I can no longer with confidence say that Christianity is the way to salvation, the only way. Um, I readily admit that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Uh, but if God is Jesus, all right, is Je if Jesus is God and God is love and love is God, then love is Jesus. And so if, if people are somehow finding that this, this uh, way of love, of true agape in the world, which they're following because of some deeply seated instinct that they've decided to trust, I believe that's Jesus in them. I believe that's Jesus. And yes, it may, it may lead them to, to learning his name. It may lead them to, to something else. It may lead them to joining a religion, uh, maybe Christianity. Um, and any, any of the many branches of Christianity, it may possibly learn to that. Uh, but if somebody is leaning into that love and trusting that love within them, they're in a sense trusting Jesus uh, and maybe they'll never be introduced to his name, but I think they're better for it. And who am I to say that they in the last day will not be saved like those of us who believe because we know the name of Jesus that we're going to be saved. Um, I've probably gotten off a, a little gotten a little off on a tangent here uh, but David to in short I, th I think I would have to say yes love true love agape love is God it's it is the divine in the world uh, it's the it's the good leaven in the bread let's say um, that if it's allowed to to work its way will leaven the whole loaf in a good way and make delicious bread I know that goes against Jesus' parable, parable of beware of the, the leaven of the Pharisees, but, but I'm trying to make a positive of that, of that negative. Um, and uh, as Rob Bell's book says, love wins. You know, eventually love wins. Love wins now. Love always feels like it loses, though. In this world that's so corrupt, that's so about getting you and yours and self-preservation and, and self-identity and pride. Um, uh, the um, accruement of wealth, right? All of this uh, selfish, um, self-aggrandizing way of living in the world is so against, uh, so against the way of love and the way of Jesus that even when you love successfully, it's going to feel like you're losing. And I think that's why, that's one of the reasons why that in this imperfect world now, suffering is truly the way to um, what's the word? encountering the divine. 
since purity has been taken away from us by, by Satan and all of those who have sinned and lived sinful lives before us, um, the path that leads us now back to the divine, unfortunately, is the road of suffering. It's the road of, road of love, and in loving we suffer, because loving is losing. Uh, in this topsy-turvy world that we now inhabit, um, yeah, I believe love one day will be winning. Uh, but right now, it it just it feels like and looks like losing. Um, and that's that's I guess it can be both comforting to know that every time we lose, why is it, or every time we love, why does it feel like I'm losing? But of course, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus went through all the same thing. He did nothing but love while he was on the earth. And by human standards, by the standards of the world, he did nothing but lose. <clears throat> At least while he was uh, alive. In his uh, first human um, manifestation, <laughs> let's say. Uh, but now that he's in heaven and he's separated from the impureness of the world, I believe to him love looks like winning. And I think love, he knows that our love in the world is winning despite what we feel. And I think we, we need to try to see the losing that we constantly experience from his point of view. And I think that's, uh, that's where we can transcend this world and, and not be conformed to it, but to transcend it, right? When we renew our mind, it's, it's renewing it to think uh, in a way that no longer is bogged down by the uh, corruption of sin in the world, right? How do we get to the point where love, which feels like losing, can feel like winning? There's only one way, and that's being transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul talks about. Um, <clears throat> David, I don't know if I've uh, broached the subject well or not. I'm kind of running out of time. i only got about five minutes before I hit my destination. And I'm running just a little late. There's been more traffic today than I anticipated. Um, so I'm going to have to cut it off here pretty quickly. Um, oh, we're already 35 minutes, so yeah, it has run a little bit long. So David, I'd love some questions and some, uh, comments. Um, and, uh, please do that and, or, and, or record and send me the, uh, the, uh, sound bites and I can actually put your comments and questions, uh, I can post them online with this, uh, and that can be interesting. Uh, so this is just, we'll just call this the initial kind of uh, brainstorming, uh, you know, my own brainstorming session. You can have your own brainstorming session, then we can put them together and see uh, what comes of it. So, yeah, I'll uh, talk to you guys later. 
Uh, so just to recap, God is love, yes. Love is God, I'm gonna say yes. Bye-bye.